What is our why? What drives us? What wakes us up in the morning? What, what have we committed our lives to? What people, what endeavors, what efforts, what achievements, what have we given our heart and soul to? As we looked at Habakkuk, we studied Habakkuk this, this summer and we looked at his life and his words, which were words of lamentation. He was upset. And one of the primary reasons he was upset was because he had experienced what we call in church life a great revival, a great awakening. He had seen how horribly bad sin can destroy a culture, destroy a society, and destroy a people. And he was desperately wanting to see that again. So it seemed appropriate this summer that much like many of our movie franchises, after we looked at Habakkuk, we should do a prequel and go back to that great revival, that great awakening, that great moment in Judah's history that Habakkuk remembered so fondly and see how it took place and what took place and what happened. And the key character of this prequel is not Habakkuk, but it is his king, King Josiah, who leads from the time he begins his reign on the throne at age eight, the process of a driven life, a purposeful life that impacts and shapes the culture of Judah in that period of time. Because we desperately are challenged as believers to impact our world. Every way we look at it, we are told by Jesus directly and then every follower of Jesus since, including this century, has reminded us of this task. We are to be light, we are to be salt, we are to be those people that penetrate our cultures and invite the people around us into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And Josiah was one of those men who did that, not only in his personal relationships, but he did it as a leader over the nation. And most historians believe this is probably the greatest awakening, greatest moment of spiritual renewal in Scripture. The second closest was Josiah's great-grandfather, Hezekiah. But even in Hezekiah's case, it did not go to the place that Josiah took it. Where culture, society, educational institutions, governments, everything that dictates how our lives are experienced, business and, and economy, relationships and community were impacted by Josiah's reforms. Bringing all the people, unbelievers and believers, into a relationship with God. And it came from Josiah's heart. As most great movements, as most great accomplishments, as most great achievements happen, it happens because of what's being done inside of a person. And in the very first part of Josiah's life, which we find in 1 Kings chapter 22, so if you want to turn to that, that's where we're going to be the next several weeks. It's in your YouVersion app. It's under um, the events page. If you go there, you'll find the notes for today, and we have those every week to make it easier for the, for the note takers and those who want to follow along. And the scriptures are posted there for you. We begin to look at Josiah's life, and we ask ourselves a question. As a believer... How will I impact my world? 
In a sense, 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 and 2 are basically an epitaph. This is the standard formal formula that they use to describe history. But the description of Josiah is reserved only for a couple of other good kings who did right things. And Hezekiah is one of all those. It becomes an epitaph that helps us understand who Josiah was. He became king of Judah at age eight. He reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem, verse one, teaches us, gives us a bit of his genealogy. And then in verse two, we have this description. He did what was right in the Lord's sight. And he walked in all the ways of his ancestor, David. And he did not turn from the right or the left. We're going to look at and understand today as we begin this series, what persuaded and what was Josiah's persuasion? What was the basis of what he believed? What was his passion? What did he love? What did he commit his energy and his activities towards? And then what was his pursuit? What did he actually do? In verse two, it says he did what was right in the Lord's sight. And that's a critical phrase, in the Lord's sight. Part of what makes living a passionate, achieving life difficult is because we oftentimes don't know what we believe. We don't know what our frame of reference is. And so we're susceptible to all frames of references. If, if we don't have a filter by which we determine what we understand and how we understand the things that are happening around us, we have what happens in our hearts, spiritual anarchy, which spiritual anarchy leads to emotional anarchy, which leads to physical anarchy. If there is no guidance, is there, if there's no framework, if we attempt to do away with all filters and say everybody can do whatever they want to do, think whatever they want to think, then everybody will do exactly that. And nothing gets accomplished other than chaos. Josiah, early on, is credited as doing what was right in the Lord's sight. He's not asking what his cabinet thinks. He's not asking what his version of parliament thinks. He's not asking what the latest polls are telling him. He's not asking what the marketing strategists want to, want to tell him. He is concerned about one opinion and one opinion only. What I do, is it right in God's eyes? We see this in characters throughout scripture that their heart and their passion was guided by their belief that God was sovereign, that God was ruler, that God, God had authority over all things, and God determined what was right and what was wrong. And that God determined the framework by which we answer our questions, by which we make our decisions. The calling of Joshua that great leader at following Moses who would take the people into the promised land after the exile that Josiah understands is going to take place and that Habakkuk was grieving over. When God spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter one, verse seven, he said this, above all, be strong and courageous to observe the whole instructions my servant Moses commanded you. 
How often do we do that in all of our, of our memes and all of our postings? We, we be strong, be courageous, be tough. You can do this. But yet when God spoke to Joshua, he said, you can be courageous and you can be strong to do what I've told you to do. Not just to randomly be a strong person, but to focus and have a system by which you're making those decisions. Carefully to follow the whole and observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction, the scriptures that they had at that point in time, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. God clearly states to the great leader Joshua, if you are going to be successful, if you are going to lead these people, if you are going to do something worthy of being mentioned in history, you will do it from the persuasion of scripture, my word. How many of us these days fall guilty and in the trap of thinking, I need to comprehend new thought. I need to be relevant in new thought. I need to understand the new theories. And so you have a choice. You can pick up your Bible, you can open your Bible app, and you can begin to listen and watch and read and study God's word, or you can get the latest trend on TikTok. Or you can see the latest postings on Instagram. Move a generation up, you can pull up your Fox News feed. And I'm gonna go beyond that one because it gets way off. What formulates the decisions we make? What, what drives us and motivates us and helps us determine? When I am faced with a decision, how do I make that decision? How is that framework? What persuades me? Is it the latest trend? Is it my tradition or my history or my culture? What, how do I determine what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it and how I'll live my life? What guides me? For Joshua... For Josiah, it was God's word. It was understanding scripture. In Second Chronicles, there's two accounts of Josiah's life in the scriptures. There's this one in Second Kings, but also in Second Chronicles. In Second Chronicles, the chronicler adds this. In the eighth year, of his reign, Josiah's reign, while he was still a youth, and if you look at the timing, the chronology of that, it was when Josiah was 16 years old. So when Josiah was 16 years old, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. At 16, Josiah made the decision that, that what would guide the framework of his thinking and decision-making would be God his relationship with God. He began to seek God. And you can't really seek God apart from God's word. He was persuaded. What he believed was what God said. 
And that's what created the foundation for the drive and the success of his life. In fact, it's interesting that it tells us in Chronicles that he began to seek the God of his ancestor David because in the very next part of verse 2, it tells us that he walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He lived in the passion like his ancestor David did. He was, Josiah was passionate about God. He was passionate about the things of God and he was passionate about seeing those things implemented into his world, into his kingdom, into his culture. To understand that because most of us have probably almost for the, for the majority of our lives, if we've heard about David at all, we've heard negative things because we have a clear and vivid and intimate account of every bad mistake David made. And some decided early on in their process, you know what, he's made so many mistakes and they are so grievous that I'm not gonna pay any attention to them. So you have to ask yourself then, why, why, why would Josiah find his passion in David's life? Paul, in the New Testament, actually gives us that answer in Acts chapter 13. He says, He's referencing God and says that he, God, raised up David as their king and testified about him. Now, I want you to think about that. Grasp that for just a minute. This is God's testimony. This is not the opinion of historians. This is not the ideas of philosophers. This is not the traditional epitaph that has been carried down throughout the chronicles of time. This is God speaking. God testified about David I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out all my will. Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it's also in the account of David after God announces that Saul is going to be removed from the throne and David's going to take over the throne. God says at that point in history, while David's still alive, I believe David is a man after my heart. He'll do what I ask him to do. I love the way in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, in that epitaph that Paul gives of David, he he describes him, and, and the NIV, the 1984 version of the NIV translates it, he will do everything I ask him to do. That's a tough statement. I won't make you apply it to yourself, but I have to stop and ask myself every once in a while, am I willing to do everything God asked me to do? Have you you ever started to think about something, pray about something, consider some idea or consider some action, and then you come up short and and you stop one step ahead of saying, God, what is it you want me to do? Because internally, you're afraid it might not work out the way you want it to. God, what do you want me to do? Those who are about to head off to college, what does God want you to do? in your career path. And I'm not saying you need to become a pastor. I say that on a regular basis. It's not that easy of a job and and the pay's not all that great. And so I'm not recommending that. But let me tell you, every day of every week, God changes our world because of engineers. God changes our world because of nurses. God changes our world because of teachers. God changes our world because of janitors. God changes our world because of people who lived out their career faithfully and are in retirement. God changes our world with every individual. 
But vocational choice should have some emphasis upon what does God want you to do. I have friends who are in the secular workplace who have more influence and can more easily help someone meet Jesus. They can live the mission of this church to invite others into a life-changing relationship with Jesus more effectively because they're in the workplace, because they have influence through their academic pursuits and, and through their vocational pursuits. How many of us were dramatically impacted possibly made the decision to believe in God and probably were discipled in the process of knowing who God is because our mother, maybe she stayed home, maybe she worked, but she invested her time in us. What is your passion? What is, what is your heart? It's one thing to be persuaded. That's absolutely essential. You must know, I must know what I believe if I'm going to make accurate decisions for living and particularly for impacting culture. But not only do I need to know what I believe, but I need to have passion about it. I need to have a heart about it. David loved God with all his heart. David broke commandments David sinned grievously multiple times. Great, David was the worst example for a father there barely ever was in history. But David never stopped loving God. Never stopped being honest about his sin. Never stopped passionately pursuing God. Where's our passion? What is our heart? Know what I believe. Know what is persuading me and what my persuasion is. Know where my heart is. Know what I love, what I'm passionate about. And then in Josiah's case, know what we do. What is our pursuit? It says in verse 2, and actually you find this phrase in multiple places throughout the Bible, is particularly in the Old Testament. He did not turn to the right or to the left. It's an odd phrase. It's a phrase maybe that we don't necessarily use. But the image that it draws up, the picture that it draws up is, is that willingness to stay on course. I don't know if you've ever been in a field where somebody is plowing for the first time. But if they don't know how to keep a straight line, it's an absolute disaster. Even in sailing, when I lived in Hawaii and we would go sailing, even sailing where you tack, which means you're headed this direction to catch the wind, switch the boom over, and you head this direction to catch the wind, every move you make, even though it's in angles and at a diagonal, it is always for the same purpose, for the same direction. You know where you're going to go. Do we know where we're going to go? Do we know what we're going to do? Or are we wandering around aimlessly? When I was in search and rescue, particularly related to the mountains, there were kind of two types of people. One of them walked on trails, followed the guides, followed the blaze marks, followed the trails that had been laid out for them, and those people were called hikers. 
there were those people who thought they knew better than the people who blazed the trails, and they decided to go off trail and wander around without a necessary destination or an idea of where they're going to go, and we called those people lost. We called them a liability to the county, if you actually want to know, because we're going to have to spend all that money, bring helicopters out, and life life flight them out, and we're going to spend several days trying to locate and find them. How do you want to live your life? It may seem appealing to hear some idea or some philosophy that says, just kind of wander through life, just enjoy it, just kind of go here and there. But when you get to the conclusion of your life, are you going to look back and be so proud of the circles you walked in and the absolutely no impact you made on anybody's life. You won't make an impact on your children's life if you don't know where you're headed. You won't make an impact in your office if you don't know where you're headed. You won't make an impact out in the field at your job if you don't know where you're headed. You probably will not touch anybody's life in a positive fashion if you have no clue where you're going. Josiah lived his life, never straying to the right or to the left. Moses said to the people in Deuteronomy chapter 5, as he was helping them understand God's call on their lives, he said, be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are not to turn to the right or to the left. Follow the whole instruction the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live, prosper, and have a long life in the land you will possess. You want a simple biblical answer for success in your career? Follow the whole instruction the Lord your God has commanded you. Don't shift to the right or the left. Know your pursuit, know where you're going. It's not fun to be lost. I've been lost lots of times in my life. I get lost driving to somebody's house, and I am like every other guy in the room probably for the most part. I don't like asking for directions, so lost gets more lost. It's it's absolutely no fun to be in the mountains and have no clue where you're going. It's no fun to go into a thicket in pursuit of wild game and then suddenly recognize you have no landmarks, you can't see where you're at, and you have no idea how to get out and you're going to call back up to the house and tell the guys who are already eating dinner, hey, I took a shortcut. (laughs) And one of them's going to get on a four-wheeler and drive down to the thicket you're in and shine the headlights in so that hopefully you can see the light and get out of the thicket. It's no fun in the thicket. It's exhausting. It's tiring. It's dangerous. It's not dull to stay on the path. It actually makes sense. I love the way Jesus said this to the church of Ephesus. It may be one of the most important verses in all of the book of Revelation. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. You know, I've told you all before, I I love anniversaries. I... I, I don't know why. It's just part of my makeup. It's part of my love language. Um, I like those times of affirmation. And I celebrate anniversaries all the time. Summer time is a great time for me because I celebrate the, the first night Carrie and I met. It's going on four decades this summer. I like being reminded 
I celebrate my birthday not because it's on the calendar, but because I like being reminded I was intentionally created, designed by God, and and I have a relationship with him, and I get to celebrate that. I love celebrating my anniversary with our church. It's, It's the worst anniversary any pastor can ever have. Maybe one exception. I did have an older pastor who was pastor emeritus at a church I pastored. He came to the church on Labor Day weekend. And he told me, he said, James, don't ever go to a church on Labor Day weekend. Nobody will remember that you're there. So what did I do? I came in the middle of spring break (laughs) when nobody was here. And every year, nobody, and I'm not, you know what, that sounds kind of whiny, doesn't it? I'm not, I'm not, you know. Abandon spring break next year, stay here and have lunch with the pastor. That's not what I'm saying. But I love being reminded that I've made progress and that things are happening and that I'm grateful for the history because the history is a reflection actually of what has persuaded me to live this life and what is the passion of my life and what is the pursuit where I'm going. And so I celebrate. And that's all Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus. Remember. Remember what it was like that day you asked me to come into your life. And you realized for the first time, I loved you more than any other creature could love you. Remember what it was like. Remember what it was like to start studying the scripture and be amazed at the things that you learned and you heard about. Remember what it's like to start listening in in Sunday school or in Bible study about the great stories of guys like Josiah and how exciting and how something inside burned. I want to see that. That was Habakkuk's problem. He had seen it and he wanted to see it again. How we live our life makes a difference. What we're passionate about makes a difference. And what we believe makes a difference.